The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me once again for another episode exciting episode and I guarantee you it'll be exciting. My guest today is a personal friend of mine who I met through this spiritual work and you're going to love him. He has a great sense of humor, extremely knowledgeable about his work, Dr. Scott Taylor. I'll be bringing him in in just a few minutes but I wanted to share with you that Unity Online Radio has a new look to their website and I want you to check it out after the show is over if you didn't click straight through there to listen to the show. Uh, It's unityonlineradio.org is the URL, and I just love the look and feel and the ease of use. You know, I had a personal lesson this week in how the Internet helps us to become closer to each other. Just uh, think it was yesterday. Was it already just yesterday? I did a reading for a mother and her son in India. And here we are looking at each other using webinar technology for this mediumship reading and connecting with their loved one, the woman's husband, the, the young man's son, uh, dad, across the veil. So we have the greater reality web and the worldwide web here. And it's really funny how that connection with this family came about. It's because they have a mutual friend, our friend in India, whose first name is Ghoul. I met Ghoul through her daughter, whose name happens to be Sanaya. Those of you who follow my work know that my team of guides told me to call them Sanaya. And Sanaya in India was online looking for a new name for her band. She's a wonderful musician and composer. And she found my work and reached out to me through my website, SanayaSays.com. And so it's just really funny how we ended up meeting. We actually met Sanaya in person and enjoyed a weekend with her. And she led me to this couple for this connection in our reading. So I I just love how it works. More ripples of love going out across the world. So today, our topic is near-death experiences. Why they happen, how people are profoundly changed by them, and Unity consciousness is the key. Here we are on Unity Online Radio. We're going to explore today how anybody, including you, can visit the same locales as people who have near-death experiences. And our special guest is Dr. Scott Taylor. This man leads a double life. During the day, he's a mentor and educator to small business owners, helping them increase their management skills. But 
He is also at night and on special retreats, helping people transform their lives through near-death experience. He's a researcher and speaker on this topic. He's interviewed hundreds of near-death experiencers, and he speaks to the heartfelt needs and desires of experiencers and those close to them. He is the author and voice of five best-selling CDs from Hemisync, the Into the Light series, that features meditations based on different types of near-death experiences. He serves on the board of the International Association of Near-Death Studies, which is where I first met him, and I subsequently enjoyed his uh, work as co-moderator of those annual conferences when I spoke at several of the IANS conferences. He never fails to make me laugh and smile. He's married to the love of his life, Anne Hunter, and they make their home in the frozen north of Minnesota, where he's joining us today. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Suzanne, for inviting me on your show. It's a pleasure. I wish everybody could meet you in person. In fact, we were just talking that you're uh, coming to us from the house where you and Ann hosted me to dinner when I was teaching a class in Minnesota recently. So it's kind of fun for me, at least, to experience where you are. So, Scott, I put a teaser on my Facebook page telling people that um, you spent a part of each day for an entire year doing something quite unusual. It has nothing to do with our talk today, but I think it'll give people an idea of what kind of person you are. You want to tell people about that? (laughs) Why, sure. I'd love to. Um, When I turned 60... For whatever reason, that was a big birthday for me. So I searched around and and felt like I really needed to mark the occasion with something special. And because a significant part of my heritage is from Scotland, I decided that I would wear a kilt every day for a year. And it was just great fun. And I ran into so many interesting situations, and people come up and ask me about my kilt and about the the tartan, and just in general, we trade Scottish jokes. So, yes, it was fun. And, by the way, Suzanne, it does have something to do with near-death experiences. Oh, do tell. (laughs) Because, because. I have interviewed hundreds of people who have been kilt and brought back to life again. Oh, my gosh. You see what I mean, everybody? <laughs> this this is the kind of humor he, <laughs> he shares when he's the MC of the, the moderator of the IN's conferences. In fact, he wears his kilt always while he's doing that work. So you just can't, you can't miss him and you can't forget him. Well, Scott, why don't you talk about, to us about your unforgettable experience in what you call a shared death, near-death experience? Yeah, Um This happened when I was um, 27, 28 years old, and I was in love with a woman. Her name is Mary Fran, and she and her young son, Nolan, um, were um, in a horrific car accident. Um, Mary Fran was killed outright, Mm. and Nolan uh, took five days to um, make his transition. And when it when it came time, I was uh, bedside, and I was in a room filled with um, other grieving relatives, and we sat.
said our goodbyes, and and when he flatlined, what I experienced was Mary Fran coming across the veil and scooping Nolan up out of his physical body. And it was this exquisite reunion, just as you can only imagine between a mother and son and how, um, you know, that that heartfelt place. And then, to my surprise, what the two of them did was turn to me, embrace me, and then the three of us went to the light together. And I was able to um, be in the light with them for a while. And then at some point, um, we said our goodbyes, and they left and went further into the light, and I came back to my physical body. Um, it was it was this profound experience that I I really didn't know what to do at the time because something unique also happened because I bilocated. Mm. I was um, in the room with um, all of the grieving relatives, and I was in the light with Mary Fran and Nolan. And Pastor, I know I you was never, in the... You never lost consciousness or awareness of the others around you? Never. Oh. And and so, I and I know that because what happened was that I um, realized that here I am in this, in the light, and it's such an exquisite place. It's just filled with joy and wonder and um, requited love. I actually thought that my my face would break because I'm in such an ecstatic, amazing state, which is, of course, exactly the opposite of what everybody else was in the room. I mean, they just lost their son, their nephew, their friend, and they're weeping on each other's shoulders, and I'm in this amazing, wonderful place. I have this smile on my face that Mm. just won't go away, and so I wound up putting my hands over my face so that I wasn't so completely inappropriate for the room. And and then when I came back to my physical body, that part of me that was in the light, I was able to, you know, kind of come back together again and try to try to figure out what had just happened to me. Um, this was in 1981, and um, Raymond Moody's book had just come out five years before, and... and so it wasn't very widely known what a near-death experience was. And, you know, according to that book, um, you had to suffer, um, you know, such physical trauma that um, your physical body dies. And then, you know, the medical team resuscitates you and brings you back to life. That was really the only scenario that was out there. And, you know, that was a long time ago. We now know there are lots of different flavors of near-death experiences, and one of them is a shared near-death experience. And, you know, I didn't have any physical trauma. I was just in the room sitting on the windowsill next to Mary Fran's brother, Willie. So it, was, it wasn't even my, in my mindset until much later when I was doing my doctoral research on near-death experiences, and I found a, a cool little book by PMH Atwater that, that talked about that. It said that sometimes when people are bedside with those making a transition, 
they can go with them into the light and experience what happens with them in the light. And that's the impetus for um, my research into near-death experiences and, um, and the impetus for um, trying to help people figure out how they can be um, go to the locales that people who have had near-death experiencers, excuse me, um, go to the locales that near-death experiencers uh, visit and not have to worry about the physical trauma. So that's yeah. the, that's the, the, the short story. Um, it had a profound impact on my life, um, and nothing was the same um, since then because it, it took a long time to, to figure out what happened to me. And, you know, in the, I grew up in a small town in Minnesota, and I, I grew up in the Presbyterian tradition, and, you know, it's just not part of the lexicon of the Presbyterian church to talk about, um, you know, having bilocation and witnessing <laughs> this reunion, and in the moment of your greatest grief, be in the moment of this extraordinary ecstasy. Um, yeah, it took a long time to come come to terms with that. You know, it, it is such a contrast between the deep grief that so many of us humans feel at that moment. Yet, the more one hears stories of people who've had near-death experiences, the contrast is so great. And it sounds Pollyanna, and it sounds like we're making this up to make people feel good. But I know that you've once you have that personal experience, nothing can change your awareness that it's true. You, why do you feel that that happened to you? Was it grace, and what was the impact? Oh, um, I think it happened to me because of um, of the relationship that I had with the two of them, with Mary, Fran, and Nolan. Um, I had been dating Mary Fran for a while, and and we were in love, and and I was getting to know Nolan um, as her son, and um, he had never known his father, so I was taking on that role, and and so I think it happened because they cared for me, and. They wanted to share something um, with me that was extraordinarily special, and yeah, and it—I think that's—and you know, the implications of it are, you know, just all over. Um, well, Scott, you know, I've seen your work. I've experienced your Hemisync CDs. I've, I know how you're reaching people through the Monroe Institute and other retreats, and I agree with you that they cared for you, but from a higher perspective, I can see that things like this, they don't happen to all of us. Who wouldn't want to have that experience of going with our loved ones across the veil? Yet it happens to only a few, and I would say that it happened because the source knew that it would serve the greater good for you to have that experience, because look what you did with that. You went on to study it, to research it, to, to write your doctoral thesis on the topic, and now 
you're helping to spread the word of what's possible and what lies beyond the veil, don't you think? Yeah, I do. It's a it's a it's a lovely thing to think that um, that the source is looking over each of us in that way, so that we are able to accomplish what it is that um, we came here to do. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, what if it meant that Mary, Fran, and Nolan had to make their transition in order to have that happen? Mm. Um, you know, what a profound gift. It is. What a, that somebody and, would sign up for for that for that job, I guess. That you, know, you they they were there for me in a way that I needed to have happen at that particular moment in time. Um, it's it's really humbling to think that that might be the case. How did it change the way you viewed the world, the way you are, are in the world? Since then, well, what I began to realize is that when we leave our physical bodies, um, we enter into a new dimension. I call it the non-physical world, and in that in that space, um, um, it's run by different rules than um, here. Here we are in duality. In duality. Um, I am different than you, Suzanne, and different different to the listeners that are out there. I'm different than the chair that I'm sitting on. But when I leave and go into the non-physical world, it is captured uh, by the rules of unity, which um, instead of instead of duality, which runs by the words either or, I am either you or me. It's run by the rules of both and. I love I that. am me and I am one with everything, that I am made up of the love of the universe, that I'm connected to everything. And so when I realized that, that I am a part of you, I'm a part of um, every person that I see on the street, I'm I'm a part of the... Uh, the furniture that is around, we're all made of the same stuff. In fact, one of the people that I've interviewed in my research um, was describing this to me, and, and he looked at me and he says, you know, Scott, if I were to reach out and strike you, it literally would be me striking myself because we are that much a part of each other. And when you start to look at the world that way, um all of a sudden you begin to realize that what I I do for you, I do for myself. And why wouldn't you want the best for everyone? Because it means the best for all of us and the best for ourselves. So it's um, having this unity consciousness and being aware that we can choose um, to live from that perspective. And we could also choose to live from duality, too. That's the... Mm-hmm amazing thing about this um, particular physical world we're in is that we get to choose between unity and duality. And when we choose unity, um, things flow. Um, we, we know and understand more about each other and how the world works. And 
we don't become so ruffled by um, all the, the weirdness that tends to happen in the physical world. Um, we're more at peace with um, who we are, why we're here, and that whole idea of um, um, making our final transition, it just doesn't, it's, it's a so what at the end. Yeah. It, Wow. You know, just, I, I, wow. I, this is great. You know, it, I had a great this, run and now I'm ready to go do something else. <laughs> this this topic is great. I don't know about you you all listening, but I love, love, love hearing what Scott says. I love the opportunity to share him with all of you. This radio program gives us a chance to to understand what our hearts and souls already know. So thank you, Scott, for making those points. What is that stuff that we're made of, Scott? I think it's the love of God. I think it's that um, that emotion, that feeling is a tangible thing, and it is it is the foundation of the universe. Yes. So your website, I hope everybody goes and visits it after the show, is neardeathmeditations.com. I love your website. And I love that right at the top, when you go to the homepage, there's this quote by Rumi, whose poems I love. And the quote is, what you seek is seeking you. (laughs) You want to expand on that? I think that when we have a desire um, it not only comes from us, it also comes from that aspect of ourselves that is in the non-physical. I have this view that um, when we are in the physical, we also exist in in all the other dimensions at the same time. And so there is this, when I'm feeling a desire, I know that it is also coming from me in another dimension and so are all of the solutions and all of the help uh, the non-physical help that is out there is incredible the amount of um, support that we have from our non-physical helpers friends guides angels uh, we are so cared for and so loved and um, you know they they look after us and they keep feeding us little, you know, <laughs> Scott, turn left here. This would be really good yeah. if you did that. And, you know, after a while and you, you practice your meditations and you begin to pay attention to what intuition really means and mm-hmm. what it feels like, you know, it's pretty clear after a while that, oh, left, okay, I don't know why, but we're going to go here. Are you all paying attention? It's (laughs) he just said this is such truth that Scott is speaking. That voice inside is coming from another dimension. You truly are never alone. We just have to learn to trust it. Now we're going to be taking a break in a few minutes. We still have a few minutes, but I want you all to come back because Scott's going to talk about how you can experience that those other dimensions. But Scott, on your website on neardeathmeditations.com, you say that the millions who have had who have made this journey across dimensions describe it with awe and wonder. The millions who've had a near death experience. I mean, really, millions? Millions. You know, the the last comprehensive 
study was done by Gallup in 1982, if you can believe that, a long time ago. And at that time, they had determined that 5% of the population had had a near-death experience. So, you know, if we're 200 million people, and, you know, that's, that's 40, uh, come on, do the math, Scott. <laughs> that's 10 million people. You're the people. one with the doctorate. <laughs> I know. It wasn't in math, though. Um, but just think, since 1982, we have had an incredible change in how we do emergency rooms. Um the, we have a whole division of the International Association for Near-Death Study that works with veterans and um, especially the Army. And, yeah. you know, we're able to revive soldiers on the battlefield like, like never before. And so that 5% figure, um, we, I believe it is probably double that now. We're probably in the, in the 10% range. When we're talking 20 million people just here in the U.S., so exactly. Millions and millions of people have made this trip, and we'll talk about this after the break, but that alone makes um, meditating on the kinds of near-death experiences where people go so much, so much easier. And what's interesting to me is that you don't have to die to have a near-death experience. You don't have to experience physical trauma. I did an episode of the Messages of Hope show about spiritually transformative experience, and I said the same thing, Mm -hmm. that you don't have to die to have an STE. But you're saying you don't have to die to have an NDE, which is is probably new to some of the listeners. Yeah, there's um, experiences like mine, um, shared near-death experiences. That's one. Um, We know that people who are meditating can have spontaneous near-death experiences. There aren't many of them, but there are enough that we have a database to be able to say, yeah, that really does happen. And there's a whole raft of folks who believed they were going to die. In fact, the very first um, near-death experience literature um, was about, uh, let's see, in the common era, uh, was about mountain climbers on the Matterhorn who came, there was this this wind that came up and blew this beautiful warm air across the ice they were climbing and these these climbers slipped off the mountain and as they were hurtling down, they thought they were going to die. And they we, jumped We might have bodies. to hear what happened to them after the break, Scott, because we're going to break now. But you all, all come right. back to hear how that transformed them and how you too can be profoundly transformed by your own near-death experience. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. 
If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell from Unity San Diego discussing change and transition. And as we begin to really identify the endings in our lives, to deal with them completely and wholly, to heal from them as we must, as we are willing to be in a time of not knowing, a time of uncertainty, but a time of trusting that there is a blueprint, there is a plan, there is a destiny. As we move successfully through these experiences, we will find that we are evolving and emerging into something new and different. And everyone and everything that has been happening in your life, both the things that are easy and good and pleasant, and those things that are challenging and painful and difficult, are drivers for your own evolution. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Take time out for you and join other like-minded souls looking to build their connection to spirit with the Unity at Sea Cruise in 2019. Experience a spiritual retreat at sea as you participate in a special program designed to help you on your individual journey of self-discovery. Deepen and explore your spiritual growth with Unity ministers and presenters as you enjoy exotic Caribbean ports of call. For all the details, go to unity.org slash unity at sea now to make a deposit by January 30th and save $100. Discover Unity Village, and you'll find a peaceful oasis just 15 miles from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. If you're doing business in the area or looking for the perfect place for your retreat or conference, check out all that Unity Village has to offer. With 1,200 wooded acres, a beautiful nature trail, award-winning rose garden, golf course, and newly redesigned hotel and conference center, Unity Village has everything you need for that perfect event. Go to unityvillage.org to find out more. Take some time to relax and tune into spirit with Reverend Paulette Pipe and Touching the Stillness. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central, join Paulette for a soul-stirring meditation that will leave you energized and inspired. Tune in and connect with listeners around the world in affirmative prayer. Not your everyday radio show. Touching the Stillness will help you bring new meaning and clarity to your life. Find Paulette on Facebook and listen each week right here at Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody. Are we enjoying this talk with Dr. Scott Taylor or what? He is an expert on near-death experiences, but more than that, on how to actually have one without dying. Scott, you were just finishing up a story about some climbers on the Matterhorn. You want yeah, to it happened in the, the late 1880s, and when they, were, when they fell off the side of the Matterhorn and were hurtling through the air, they were convinced that they were going to die. And they jumped out of their physical bodies before they hit bottom and then went up and had a full-blown near-death experience. Well, what they didn't know was that at the bottom of the, of the ravine 
was all of this snow that had fallen off the mountain. It was fluffy, and it it cushioned their fall. They got bayed up, but they actually survived. And there were multiple accounts of the exact same thing between the um, the, the different climbers. So what we mm. know is that in this in a situation where you think you're going to die, that is enough to have it happen. And so there's lots more ways to have a near-death experience than uh, the physical trauma. So before we move on to that, what that tells me is very comforting and also it validates what comes through in so many readings I do and so many connections I make with those on the other side who who tell me that they their soul was out of the body before there was any trauma if they passed in a car accident or a fire. So this happens even if the body doesn't die permanently. So that's yeah. fascinating. Yes. yes. So is, is that Isn't what that gave you nice the idea that anybody can do this? Anybody can do this. And it, it sparked for me when I was reading the research about people who were in deep meditation and were having these spontaneous near-death experiences. And like I said before, there, weren't, there aren't a lot of them, but there's enough that you, you can get a sense that there was a trend. Well, I've been a facilitator for the Monroe Institute um, in Virginia for the last uh, 30 years. And at that institute, they use a binaural beat technology called Hemisync that is really good at helping people achieve expanded states of consciousness and very specific states because, you know, there's all kinds of different places that are out there. And once I started really thinking about near-death experiences and the kinds of things we're able to do at the Monroe Institute, about five years ago, I put it together and, and said, how can we use this technology, which is really good at helping people achieve specific states of consciousness, how can we use that to help go to the same kinds of places that near-death experiencers go to. And it turns out that the, um, the frequencies they use are very conducive to um, this kind of work. And so using um, some kind of tweaked frequencies for me, um, you know, we're able to um, uh, experience and, and meet our guides. We get a chance to explore the tunnel, um, which is fascinating, by the way. Just, yes, there's so many cool things that are in the tunnel. Um, we can meet our dead relatives and have a reunion. We can um, uh, plan that party. We can, um, there's somebody that, that plays a role in near-death experiences called the teacher protector. It's um, it's kind of our guide on the other side, and they're the ones that are with us all the time when we are having a, a life review and mm. help us to gain uh, perspective on the life that we have, have just lived. And then there's places like the Reception Center, and the, the Healing and Regeneration Center, the park. There's all kinds of things in the cities of light. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to go visit our councils. Um, there's a council of self where we get to visit ourselves at different points in our life. 
and wow. have conversations with you know that eight-year-old self, and and then to meet with the council that helped us put together um, this life we are having here in the physical, and and what kind of experiences we're going to have, what kind of family we're going to have, you know, that really kind of map out this um, this incarnation that we're that we have. So all of these things are available to us through through meditation. And, and if I could interrupt here a second, I started reading yeah. about Robert Monroe from the Monroe Institute years ago and became drawn to his work. He and other very respected scientists were, re- were repeatedly going to the time, types of places you're describing through their meditative practices and then using these binaural beats that you speak of. So uh, would you agree that they're not these beats are not necessary, but they're tools that enhance the experience. Yep, exactly. I like to think of it as uh, training wheels. So once yeah. we get the sense of what it is like to say go to the place where where you go, where we go and meet the dead relatives, um, once you have a, a feel for it, then you don't need the the binaural beats anymore um, because all you have to do is to recreate that feeling, and you are there. Exactly. And if you want to go visit the same thing, just just remember what it felt like, boom, you're there. So it's, well, not dissimilar from riding a bike, right? Training wheels, what did it feel like when you were just on two wheels? Remember that, and off you go. So this is very much a, a felt sense. Exactly. And it's Scott, it's I am grateful to you because you're the one that that told the Hemisync people about my work. It's a testament to Scott's lack of ego that he's not protective of his work. He said you need to have a Hemisync work with your mediumship to help people make this connection more. And the feedback from, from people that use those Hemisync CDs for mediumship that I produce thanks to your introduction, Scott, is tremendous. So I can say unequivocally that Scott's CDs do the job. So I know some of you listening are excited, and you should be, because this is what we all want, isn't it? To connect with our loved ones, to to experience these greater dimensions. Uh, And so why would we want to do that, Scott? Why is this important? So for me, it was profoundly healing to be able to touch to touch base with Mary Fran again and resolve the issues of her sudden departures. Um, and we have touched base occasionally, um, you know, since she is she passed in 1981. But what has become even more valuable to me was her son Nolan. Um, has he's just always around. And we have this very lovely relationship where we talk to each other, where we um, give each other advice. Um, you know, he's he's a middle-aged man now hmm. and has some really um, wonderful insights. So not only can I come to peace with those who have left, but I can establish relationships with um um, you know, anybody who's on the other side, they aren't. I know you say this all the time, Suzanne, but it's the truth that this veil isn't that thick. It's really very thin. It really and is. And it, it just takes a, um, 
it just takes learning the technique, putting yourself in the right space, mentally, heart space, and, and vibrationally. And once we know how to do that, this whole world is now open to us, and we can explore. And boy, that is just so much fun. It's like more fun than a person should have. <laughs> so so when it, you sit it, to have an experience now, is it is it what does it is it intention mostly intention and how do you flip that switch it's two things um for me um i need to get myself in the right space i have to um be mentally calm and i have techniques to do that i want to raise my vibrational level on my physical body so that i can more easily match the vibration of the non-physical world and their techniques to do that. And once that's accomplished, then it's just intention. Yeah. Here's where I want to go. This is what I want to experience. This is who I want to meet with. This is who I want to have a conversation with. I'd like to have this kind of experience. It's all open. So what um, do you say to the listeners who say, but I've been trying that. I want it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is just, isn't that a conundrum? Yeah. Because to want it so badly, um, it's we wind up having to let go of the wanting in order to uh, let it happen. And I know that sounds contradictory, but it's I found it to be true that once we get to that spot where we can let go and just say, this is what will happen, then it does. Um, just a little aside is it took me a long time to realize this, but using the word want, the folks on the other side are really literal. So if you say, I want this very badly, what they give you is exactly that. They give you the wanting. Hmm. And once we start to reframe that, not use that kind of language, uh, and to start talking about things in the present, then it starts to work. Because in the non-physical world, um, there is no such thing as time. And so when you're talking to them and you're talking about future and past and the wanting, that's always a future gift, um, they don't quite get it. And so by talking about things in the present, you're using the same language as the, um, the people in the non-physical world and they understand that and help you achieve that. So would you give us an example, please, of a really well-worded intention or, and present state affirmation that would help us to experience those expanded states and adventures? Okay. Um, I think once once I get myself settle down, and I I raise my vibrational level by toning, using my mm -hmm. physical vocal cords, and oh, kind of, it just sounds that make sense to me, so I know my, my physical and non-physical body is up there, and then I'll, I'll picture in my mind um, Nolan, and, and, and just go, hi, Nolan, nice to see you. 
and I have pictured Nolan, and we're in our we have a park bench that we meet on, and so I I picture this park bench, and I picture the two of us on it, and we start our conversation. And he's there. So for me, he's... for me, visualization works really well because it's all present tense. Ooh. So that's how I that's how I do it. I I love the fact that as you mentioned toning, I'm like oh. That's cool. I should get a guest expert to talk about tones. And I went, wait, next week's guest is all about music and sound healing. <laughs> I love how the universe works. Wow. So how does the experience that one can have in a near-death-like ex experience through meditation differ from the experiences that those who have actually physically died temporarily experience? Uh Good question. Um, what I find working with the people who have gone through my workshops is that the experience itself can be as light and ephemeral as um, like a daydream, or it can be um, as clear as a lucid dream, or even clearer yet, it can feel like when they're out of body. And sometimes people have been able to touch the light and 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 be able to experience that that love of God that's out there. Um, I have found that, having done these meditations repeatedly, that some will be really clear, some won't be so much. they're kind of ephemeral. And what I've begun to do is to realize that it doesn't really make any difference, the quality of them, mm -hmm. because the the message is still the same. Sometimes messages from the folks on the other side come through, and they're very, very subtle. You know, that's probably why they call it the subtle realms, right? <laughs> and And sometimes it's like, hits you over the head with a two-by-four kind of clarity. Um... It's where you are at the moment, what you need, and it's also uh, what I found is, you know, my guides bring me experiences that help me expand my repertoire. They help me expand my toolkit so that I'm able to um, be comfortable in all different kinds of situations, and that just takes time and, and practice and a little bit of trust. Very good. So since some people are just in a light daydream is, and still aware that they're in the room, so to speak, in their body, talk to yep. us about bilocation. You've mentioned it a couple times now. Bilocation, is that any yeah. something anybody can do? Anybody can do. You just mentioned a great example. So when you're meditating, you can be fully aware of where you are in the room. Maybe you're in a chair. Maybe you're, you know, sitting on a pillow or something, in a in a meditative pose. And so you're aware of being in the room and what the weight of the body feels like on the pillow. And maybe there's a shawl around your shoulders, and you can feel the weight of the shawl and the that little tickly thing that the the fibers do. And at the same time, you're talking with your guide and having a conversation. And your guide, you and your guide are are figuring out what it is that you want to do. Um, maybe the, uh, your guide is leading you on some kind of adventure, 
and you're in both places at the same time. And frankly, it's not all that unusual where you can be having an experience with your guide, um, say you're flying along, you know, well, like a flying dream kind of thing, and all of a sudden you're observing yourself flying. So now you're in three locations at once. And so this idea of having multiple consciousnesses is really normal in the non-physical universe. We just don't think of that here as much, but stamp that one firmly with it's okay and it's normal. I think that this is very helpful to have those experiences because then people come to know that it's possible to communicate with your guide just as you're walking around in a normal waking state of consciousness. You can slip into that place, that state where you're communicating and receiving insights without having to stop and say, "Om" and meditate. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, once you get the hang of it, that state of awareness is available all the time. And that's a lovely thing about uh, hemisync. And, you know, Bob and Roe talked about that for years, that it's really designed to help you learn how to access these states of consciousness. And once you know how that's done, dump the CDs and just, you know, do it on your own. Certainly a lot easier. And it's always available. Don't dump the CDs, Scott. Loan them to somebody else who has yet to discover this wonderful greater reality. (laughs) I like that. That's better. I'll go with that. So you talked about how much fun these adventures are, and I agree with you. I mean, it can be addictive once you realize there's this whole other reality out there. But beyond the fun, please talk some more about the deeper results of that, the, 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 the payback, the Hmm. Yeah. Why why well, else do this besides the fact that it's fun? Um let's just take one one example which would be um life review. It's one of the elements that people have with a near death experience and this is the idea that you can um relive um your life. And one of the, One of the things people need to know is that when this um, life review happens, you do it from three perspectives. You get to relive your life just as you lived it with all of your physical senses um, engaged. You know what your thoughts were at the time. You are really you in in that scenario. But you are also the other. So if you're, you were having a Um, a conversation with a a checkout person at the grocery store and you're reliving that scene, you are you and you are the 16-year-old person who's just learning how to use the cash register. And you get to experience what it's like to be them and to feel Mm -hmm. scared about them being their first day of work and not being fully trained on the cash register. And, And here's Scott being a little impatient. So you get to have both of those going on at the same time. So you get a chance to see how your life has impacted others. And then there's the third perspective, the omniscient perspective. And so you're aware of how this particular um, interaction between between Scott and the person who's checking me out at the grocery store and how 
how that happened, how it rippled out from my life and this young girl's life, how what impact did it have on her family and her boyfriend and in the community that she entered into after work. Wow. So we get to be get to be real we get to really understand how this concept of unity um how it works and how we can um be aware of every moment every moment that we interact with somebody else how precious that can be for both us and them in terms of our human experience um i am profoundly humbled at when this kind of event takes place and and how much you can learn from that and how much we can be um so understanding of you know, of each other and what a blessing to learn that now instead of during the actual life review when you say, oh, I wish I had I known I that had. then. Darn, darn. Yeah. And one so, of the cool things, for those of ahead. you who are advanced listeners to this radio program, when you're in your life review, you can actually stop it and change it. Your teacher protector is there with you and say, well, what if I had said to this young girl checking me out, you know, I was once my first day at work too, and what I know is that you can always fix the paperwork, so don't worry about it. Take your time. Get it through. You know, Do what you need to do, and it'll all be okay. What if I'd been more understanding? And then, you know, you can see how that played out in the physical in the non-physical world. So it's we we have choices. We have alternatives. We can actually get to witness what it would be like to instead of putting out impatience to put out love and understanding and how that changed that corner of the world and maybe changed her life, changed mine. Well, I need so. to see how to get this show out to many more people because it would change our world if everybody understood this and used these tools. It's just wonderful. Now, Scott, you are, and I've been in your presence multiple times, you are a seemingly calm and unruffled guy. Is that <laughs> thanks to your lovely bride, Anne, and her influence on you? Or is have you, is, are you different from the, the guy I, you were before your shared NDE? No, no, it's all due to Anne. <laughs> I am so lucky that she chose to be my bride. I just, um, it's just a, a wonderful thing when the, the match is right. And I, Amen. I thank, I thank all the folks upstairs for making that happen. <laughs> but truly, I know that from experience that the more time you spend in meditation and in these expanded states of awareness, the more you find the peace that's within. Do you credit your your temperament to the time that you dedicate to your spiritual practice? I think it's really important that we spend time um, in a uh, in a spiritual practice, and and the toughest one that I have set out for myself is to be present all the time, to be. Mm -hmm. 
connected to that space all the time and be fully present here in the in the physical world with everyone around and all of the challenges and weirdness that happens here in the physical and still be connected to um, the non-physical world and and the love of the universe and remembering that we are all of the same source, that we're all connected. Amen. So with less than a minute to go, do you have any fear of death, Scott? <laughs> no, I don't. I had one guy tell me, you know, if I choose, if it's time for me to leave, I'm ready. And it doesn't mean I want to go any sooner because this world is filled with amazing gifts. So yeah. be here, be in this world, live it fully, no afraid. Do not Beautiful. be afraid of death. It is a marvelous transition. Thank you so much. We've, we've really enjoyed this talk. We've been enjoying Dr. Scott Taylor. Please check out his work at neardeathmeditations.com. We've so enjoyed sharing with all of you. Go out and have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.